Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here chatting with you today. So, 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 so excited. That is the only way I can really say it. Um, if you've been following along with the story of my life happenings, which are super riveting, let me tell you, uh, you know that I recently went on a trip to North Carolina to see my parents and brother. And I got to say the warmth and sunshine in North Carolina was on its a game while I was there. I probably walked about two hours a day and in a short sleeve shirt most of the time. There is just something about sunshine that does me right. And that sunshiny excitement has been all harnessed into this recording of this intro. So that is how I am doing my part and bringing back some sunshine to share with you. And if you live in New England, um, as I'm recording this, it's April 8th and it is still chilly and still not super sunny here. So we definitely need some of that harnessed sunshine in this episode. Um, I want to confess, it has been a little bit since I've felt that sunshiny normalness or like myself. I have been hitting some snags and going through some stuff. First, it was my jaw, then it was my tailbone. But honestly, it was a little bit more than that. I was kind of like allowing everything going on to cloud the big picture in kind of a crippling way. I was sort of like stuck in this place of feeling that I was going to be stuck in this place forever. And I know I'm speaking in a lot of repetitive circles, but that's just kind of like how it felt. It's what I would imagine it would be like to be a surfer. And you're super excited to get in that water and catch some big waves. Only when you get in the water, all the waves totally suck and they're small and the water ends up being like shark infested. So you're just sitting there bobbing about wondering how to get yourself out of the situation so you can just hang 10 and do your thing. And pardon me, I'm not a surfer, so I shouldn't be using a surfing analogy, but I'm going with it anyway. What I learned in going through that experience is that you sometimes just have to be patient with yourself. You can use all the tools in your tool belt to try to help the time go faster, but you just got to sort of hang out until the waves decide to pick up and until the sharks decide to stop circling your feet and wondering if you're a lunch. And then when you do catch that wave, it feels all that much sweeter and lighter, and just amazing. Um, Especially when you didn't catch just the very first big one that came your way, you waited for the right wave. Anyway, enough with the analogies. I'm going to give you two actual real tips, not just speaking like allegory before we get into today's episode. One of my tips is on simplicity, and one of them is on intention. And if you recall from previous babblings on a previous podcast episode intro, simplicity and intention are the themes of the podcast this month and the themes of the She Built This group this month, April. 
What is the She Built This Group, you ask? Well, let me just tell you really quick in case this is your first time listening. The She Built This Group is a community which you can find right in ye old search bar of the Facebook, and it is a place for you to hang out with 1,700 other like-minded positive women entrepreneurs and professionals who get just as excited about growth and success as you and I do. This podcast is an extension of that community. And I tell you what, if you think that we have fun here on the podcast and you're not in the group already, you have got to go join the group because we have a lot happening in there and lots and lots of resources to be had and shared. Because here's how I see it. When you are in the shark infested or waveless water, aka that's how entrepreneurship can feel sometimes, I most certainly don't want you to be hanging out there all alone. You can learn more about She Built This at shebuiltthis.org. And we have every which way to hop in and join us from paid free to paid memberships, which give you uh, more perks, bonuses, workshops, and visibility opportunities. Okay. Now it's tip time. Something I was thinking about recently because I'm also a freelance content writer, I was thinking about how my content writing world and she built this world tie together, collide together cohesively. This, and and they do so very well, seamlessly in fact. And I believe that this is because one thing that every single entrepreneur has in common at least one thing, is that we all need content in some form or fashion. Think about it. Either a podcast or video, social media posts, blogs, emails, welcome packets, websites, opt-ins. Even if you just share your offerings on a Google Doc with your clients and customers or you're putting a slogan on the side of your truck, you still need content in some form. So in addition to being founder and owner of She Built This, I'm literally working alongside the members in the group, helping them to build this through their content, because that is a huge part about being of being an entrepreneur. See, I did tell you I was like sort of all about the circular speak today. I did just bring it full circle. So I have been creating content for a really long time in my life. And before I even knew it was a thing, before I even knew I was doing it, I had like the neighborhood newspapers, you know, the novels I wrote when I was a kid. And I loved writing papers so much that in high school and college, after I did mine, of course, I would offer to write papers for other people. I have also been blogging since before it was cool. Think like, you know, Live Journal and that site, I think it was called Blogger. This is, I'm talking like back in 1998. So since my humble blogging beginning, I have gone on to write hundreds upon hundreds of blogs. I've written blogs on health and wellness. I've written blogs on uh, what it was like to be a waitress and also then go to working in corporate, my trip to France and like tromping around Europe as as all by myself and learning to ski in the Alps. Um, I've written blogs about getting healthy sleep and the importance of non-toxic sleep products for our organic mattress store, which we was our first business. And then just like completely random topics, this, that, and the other thing in my daily foibles. Uh, I wrote a blog for 
for our Chamber of Commerce, which featured local businesses. That was called Tuesdays on the Town. And of course, I've written content and writing lessons and tips in, in my own blog and tons of blogs for clients in all sorts of industries. I think my industry count right now is 82 and counting. So a couple of weeks ago, after my She Built This podcast episode with Danielle Gagnon on SEO, I was meeting with a client and talking to her about her blog. And I was just suggesting ideas, coming up with one after the other, you know, and and as I was doing such, I'm like, you know, I'm one to talk. I admitted that I don't even keep up with my own blog. I have one and I just never add to it. And I felt a little bit ashamed and I said, you know, I know I should be better about this. I was hoping she wouldn't judge me. It's kind of like the cobbler's son is the one that never has the shoes, right? And she says, oh, that's fine. Like you don't need to write a blog. Your weekly emails are essentially a blog. And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this? Why don't I repurpose my emails into, I already I already repurpose them into social media posts, okay? Sometimes I use them for more than one post and I'm like feeling like I'm on top of the world. But why was I not repurposing my emails for my blogs too? So literally after we got off the call, I logged into my website and I turned my last email into a blog and led it to my podcast and it was perfect. So that is your super simple repurposing tip for the week. If you have a blog, you can turn it into an email. If you have an email, you can turn it into a blog. If you have an email and a blog and or a blog, you can turn it into a couple of social media posts. And of course, do not even get me started if you have a podcast, do Facebook Lives, give presentations, or like any way that you share your brain power that can all be repurposed too. Um, That is one thing I love, love, love helping people with, but it just was such a good reminder for me, the person always talking about this, of how I can also keep it ridiculously simple and intentional. And I'm gonna give you one more tip around intentionality, something that I'm working on because actually my whole year, one of my big focuses this entire year is on intentionality. And for me this year, that's really um, largely in part with my time commitments and I'm also focusing on my buying habits. So I, of course, if I'm gonna set myself up with a challenge like this, I gotta make it fun. So I started a a one-page Google document called intentional spending. And whenever I'm trying to decide on a purchase, I check in with myself and I ask a couple simple questions around it. First of all, what is the purpose of this thing? Can I figure out a different way to get this thing without spending money? And no, I'm not talking about like stealing the thing. I'll use books as an example. I'm never going to stop reading books, but last year I went crazy with the buying books. I just like every time I saw one that I needed to read, I would just click that buy now with one click button. So now I take a minute and first of all, I check to see if I even, if I really need the book um, and if I really want the book and then I check in with my library first to see if they have it or I ask a friend who I know has read it or has it and see if they want to do a book swap. So in books alone, I've saved $100 and I've read more books already this year in 2022 than any other year. So 
here's what I do. If I save money on the item by finding an alternative to buying it or just not buying it, I get to put it on my list as my intentional spending win. And I've looked at that list uh, three weeks ago and I've already saved $400 that I would have spent in literally a heartbeat. So prior to buying, I just check in with myself and ask, do I really need this thing? Do I really need this thing now? Is something else I own a good substitute? And is there another way to obtain it? And like I said, I'm not talking about stealing here. So here's the best part, I think, in this whole intentional spending uh, analysis. I haven't missed out on anything that I actually want or need. And I'm not a cheapskate either. Like if there's something worthy of my spending, I'm going to purchase it. This isn't about being cheap. It's about being intentional and also maybe putting a little extra cash in your pocket. So if you want more cash, money in your pocket without having to do literally anything, uh, I invite you to try this out for yourself too because what I hear a lot of people spending money on and regretting are courses that they sign up for and never completing, uh, clothing that sits in their closet with the tags on for years and they never wear it, streaming services. Honestly, like you never even maybe use some of them because Netflix has a million options already useless trinkets, just stuff, like just more stuff. So to get into my interview, to weave this into my interview today, we're going to be diving more deeply into this topic of intention. And as an entrepreneur, this is going to be a really cozy one for you if you just so happen to be an intropreneur, that is an entrepreneur who's more introverted in nature or a lot introverted in nature. Uh, My guest today is Jen Jones. And she's going to be talking about how to be really intentional as entrepreneurs. She's an author, speaker, realtor, and an entrepreneur. She's been actually an entrepreneur for over 20 years and has successfully scaled businesses by building deep, meaningful relationships with her clients that inspire repeat business and referrals. She lives by the motto, go deep, not wide. She recently wrote the book, Intropreneur Strategies for Building a Business as an Introvert Entrepreneur. And this episode, she's going to encourage us to embrace your introverted, authentic self and have more energy awareness so that you can align your business and life through meaningful connections. I read her book, Entrepreneur, in one day and it piqued my interest. I took lots and lots of notes and saw things in a different light. So I just knew I had to have her on my show. I love all the ideas she gives around intentionally networking, allowing yourself to be how you are, and also allowing others to do the same as well. I know a lot of people, including my husband, Jason, who's definitely an introverted entrepreneur are going to appreciate this conversation with Jen just as much as I did. Hi, Jen, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, been an interesting journey this year, so I'm excited to hop on with you. Oh, I can't wait to hear a little more. Do you want to get right into that or do you want to kind of tell us who you are and what you do? Well, you know, I'll follow the status quo and I'll I'll introduce myself. So I am Jen Jones. I am the founder and entrepreneur at Connect and Elevate, where I help introverted entrepreneurs, mostly women, gain clarity on who they are, gain awareness of their energy so that they can take it forward into their business and life to live a more joyful and 
what I'll call delightful life. I love that. So what kind of led you to focus on that area? (laughs) (laughs) So interestingly enough, everyone thinks that I'm an extrovert. And, you know, to, to that point, I do have a tendency to overcompensate and, you know, be very lively when I feel like I need to be not so much in the last decade. But over the years, I have realized that I don't necessarily show up in my most authentic self. And I started networking really like three years ago now in 2019. A lot of new women's networking groups started to pop up in our area. And I was very excited about that. We really had, you know, the chambers and, you know, a few things here and there, but nothing that was just women that were looking to really connect with each other. And so I decided to start focusing on networking. So I went out, networked, networked, networked. And once I really got to know people, they started opening up to, oh my God, like networking is so dreadful. I see you everywhere. How do you do it? I hate networking. I don't network like everybody else. So those phrases that I kept hearing over and over again, and I didn't think anything of it at the time, I was just like, oh, wow, a lot of people don't like networking. And I kind of said, well, I don't really love it, but I do love the people, which keeps me coming back. So after a couple of months, I decided to start Connect and Elevate. And it was more about bringing everyone together from different networking that I had been doing, bringing them together online and pulling the people who aren't necessarily in my geographic area, geographical area, together. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, when everyone comes together, we all elevate. So that's where Connect and Elevate came from. And it wasn't until six months later, while stuck in quarantine, did I put two and two together that the majority of people that I attracted and the majority of people that were talking to me were introverts. And I had to reevaluate like, hmm, consider myself an ambivert. But when you boil it down to introvert and extrovert, an introvert goes inward to get their energy and an extrovert goes outward. So in the bottom, bottom, like just looking at that, I'm an introvert. Oh my gosh. Like I can help so many people bring in new skills so that they can really start networking more authentically and stop putting on the extrovert hat. So that's where that whole thing came to be. It took an awful long time to figure out the pieces. And then it took, you know, another two years to put it all together. So I guess you're probably not a fan of the phrase, fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be. I think we do feel like that. Like we need to just force ourselves to put on a smiley face, fit in how people want us to fit in as extroverts or whatever. It doesn't necessarily need to just be related to introversion, extroversion. Um, Why do you think we should maybe consider booking that? (laughs) And, you know, every once in a while, I guess it's okay to do that. But in the end, you're not doing yourself or anyone else any favors when you when you push that kind of way. It feels very hard. It feels very unauthentic. But the phrase, you know, I've heard it so many times and I've even said it, you know, fake it till you make it. It's it's this place where you're not necessarily able to do it as your true self. So you can make up this persona to go out and just fake it. 
And over the course of, I don't know, a couple decades now, I can go through and actually visualize certain certain things that happened over the years where I was like, whoa, I don't even know who I was at that point. And we're always evolving too, let's not forget. But fake it till you make it is not a place where you want to be pushing yourself into because we want to be, you know, you know, for the lack of a better word, pulling ourselves into a space as introverts to really get to know know ourselves. Because I tell you, I take a good look at myself and I'm like, hmm, is that really me? Or is that what society thinks I should be? And that's where the fake it till you make it and where like success comes in that I'm supposed to be quote unquote successful according to the external world and what people think I should be. And I love this because that's what I'm all about on this podcast is not doing things in the way, first of all, like I don't want it to be like hustle grind. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. I just want people to do things in a way that feels good for them, you know? And so I love really giving yourself the opportunity to go within and ask what those things are. Yes. Um, Okay. The word authentic is like thrown around like candy in a parade on the internet. So I want to know what it, what being authentic really means to you. And maybe you can even describe it as a feeling. Like, what does it feel like to be authentic? What a great question, because this evolution that has happened over the course of these last four months, I had, I'll tell a quick story and then I'll answer that question. Cause you're right. Authentic is, you know, thrown around. So I came up with this like new word. It was like, you know, um, it's aligning with your introverted self versus like just being authentic. Cause just like joy, some people don't know what it means to be joyful and they don't know what it means to be authentic unless they really think about it. And some of us just don't have time to really sit down and think, or we just don't want to know and we want to keep going on. So back in December, right before I launched my book, I had just rewritten like half the book. I was like, okay, here we go. The first section is missing something. So maybe we should just shelf the book. Well, I'll go back to it. I'll release it another time. And, you know, my publisher editor was like, you know, this happens to people a lot where, you know, fear yeah. comes in and, you know, holds you back. And I was like, yeah, I, I that's probably what it is. It's probably just fear of putting this out there and a little bit of maybe I am not truly 100% authentic. I was still putting on my extrovert hat, which came through the process of writing the book, that I was like, oh, wow, I have been putting on my extrovert hat when I go on to Zoom calls. And not really anywhere else, but I did notice that I was trying to amp up my energy more. So maybe, maybe that was it. So I go and launch the book. It's a huge success, which I am so grateful for. And so many people like yourself who have come into my life and I'm like, these are my people. That's part of what I wanted to put out there is finding the right people in my life and aligning myself with those being authentic, those things that I feel as though are authentic to me. And just in the last couple of months, I was on a plane to Naples, Florida. I'm from Massachusetts, so it was very cold in February. 
and I'm on a plane reading a book called The Three-Word Rebellion. Oh, someone just mentioned that book today. Yes. So now you've heard it, so you should probably go get it. (laughs) Buy the hard copy if you like to write stuff. So she recommends that writing in it, and there's tons of exercises. So I'm reading this book, and in that very moment, I knew entrepreneur is going to be a movement. I didn't know how, which I like to, you know, get caught up in. I didn't know how, but I knew why. And I knew what it was going to look like. And it was going to be the whole, like society as a whole is going to realize that being introvert is not weak. It's not always being shy. It's not always being quiet. That we do have gifts that people are overlooking and it's time for us to stand together and show the world that, you know, we have what it takes to show up. We have what it takes to be successful, whatever that means to us personally. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. I go to, I go to Florida, I get there and a couple other things show up. Human design, I've been in this awareness for about three years where I've had readings done. I know, you know, my type, I I know basics of human design. And someone had mentioned something. I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm going to go in and look at that course. So I started doing this course on a long weekend because, you know, why, why stay quiet and do nothing? Although I did a lot of that too. And it was in that moment where I was like, hmm okay, this is good stuff. And it was almost a month later that I came to the realization and had an epiphany that what was missing in that first section of the book, which was the aligned intropreneur. And so I look at my first section of the book and I'm like, I'll be damned. It was exactly what I was thinking about. It was, you know, aligning with your introverted self and what was missing is it's not a one size fits all. It's not always about how you feel because some people don't actually feel. And mm, (laughs) without actually being able to explain that, I'm going to use just a couple things. For me, feeling, I use the word feeling as a knowing. So I don't necessarily feel it in my body, except that I feel calm and I feel grounded. So that's the feeling that I get when I know that I'm being authentic. And when I know when things come into my awareness, they are right for me. And other people, when things come in, they literally feel like they feel it, they go through these emotional waves, they actually feel their body. And I'll leave it at that. But taking a look at how am I going to take human design and intrapreneur in integrating them because they literally fit in into the folds of the book. Human design fits into the folds of the book in each of the sections. And it was mind blowing to realize that this is my path right now. And if anyone out there is a human design um, expert or you know human design types, I'm a manifester. And so this is something that just makes me feel at peace. And I'm ready to take it on and bring it out into the world as a movement. It's so interesting. I don't know that much uh, about human design, but I know it's the same concept as what you're talking about, which is really using your natural innate tendencies 
uh, to your advantage instead of trying to work against them. So let's, I guess specifically with introversion, uh, let's dive into that a little bit more if you don't mind. I'd love, you share four types in your book. And I think we we think of introverts in one way often. Um, so I'd love for you to share the four different ways that this can show up. Yes, which is, I love talking about. And who doesn't like doing a quiz here and there? Agreed. So it is- <laughs> It is a quiz in the book and the four different types, which you're, you're exactly right. It just goes back to like, not all introverts are shy and quiet. So the four different introversions are social, thinking, anxious, and reserved. And for myself, if you haven't guessed, the number one was social. And the second one was thinking, like I can definitely go down the rabbit hole and keep thinking about things, thinking about things, thinking about things, but I do enjoy my small groups and I get energy from them. My husband and I both took the quiz. Um, I thought the quiz was fantastic because I really loved that it shined a light on where, where you're, where you're most likely to not want to be extroverted. Okay. (laughs) That's how I'll say it. And I just thought it was really interesting because you know, people say the same thing to me that I must be extroverted and I'm like, how do I show up in all the places and do all the things? And I don't think they always know what is going on behind the scenes. And this really shined a light on that. Like, oh, okay, that's why I don't like to do Zoom calls every single day of my week, you know, where I think other people are more inclined to do that. So I would love to get more into what you see as the gifts of introversion and like how we can really start to use these things as our superpowers. Yes, superpowers. I I had my graphic designer when I first when the gifts first came to me, I said, I want like a Wonder Woman headband on and like, you know, the cuffs on, because that's how I felt. I felt as though once I was able to embody the gifts, I felt like Wonder Woman. And I also see Wonder Woman as Someone who really has the masculine and feminine and the balance and she sort of like flows back and forth through them. And I just feel like she's just so powerful. So I love the the word superpowers. And the number one introverted gift that I talk about is the gift of leadership and team player. And I was going to separate the, the two of them, but then decided to keep them as one because I do feel as though... Sometimes they're used interchangeably, and sometimes you can be a team player and still a leader amongst a group. So I just left them all together because when we think about leaders, we don't necessarily think about introverts. We think about the charismatic, maybe even you know manipulative, someone who stands for something, someone who is outgoing, someone who has a purpose, and when we go back and look at introverts, it's like, hmm, how can an introvert be a leader? And here are more introvert gifts that come into this, that that envelope into listening is one of them. So introverts are really great listeners, sometimes to our detriment. So I just, you know, say, hey, you can be a good listener and you can talk too. You can ask great questions but be prepared to answer them yourself. So if you were in a leadership position, you were giving people and allowing people, usually introverts, because extroverts will just shout out 
their ideas and their thoughts, but you give everyone the opportunity to be heard. And I think in this day and age, when we don't have someone who is there as a leader or a team player, it can be really difficult as an introvert to stand up, stay seated, but stand up and say something. If they have a good idea or if they have input on something, if they're being overshadowed, they're not going to share that. And so being able to keep everything open and allowing that space for introverts to step into their gifts is something that I've seen time and time again. And I even look at it as even if you're not the leader, so if you're in a hierarchy, if you're working for someone or you're you know, working with other people, I've seen it here where that introvert is able to speak up for other introverts. Like, are there any, any other thoughts to this? Oh, well, I saw, you know, Emily, you were, you were about to say something. Did you want to continue and let us know what you're saying? Not to point out introverts because that (laughs) doesn't go over real well sometimes, but because you have been in that team environment, you might know that person really well and just know that they need that little bit of opening to start the conversation. And don't I don't know if you've had this experience, but I feel like the times when I've been like most when I felt most seen and most heard are just when somebody listens. Like they don't try to chime in with ideas, they don't try to fix it, they don't try to solve it. They just like listen to what you're saying. So, yes. I think that's a huge gift. Yes, absolutely. Listening is one of those gifts that I think is very much overlooked because we are in such a talking society. As I'm at a lack for words. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> All right. Do you want to share, like you you share so many gifts in the book and I, I want of course, people to get that and see them all and like really let them sink in because as you're reading them, you're like, oh, it just gives you this opportunity to examine. But do you want to share one more that you think is a really valuable gift? Sure. So there are, I can't even remember how many there are, but there are more. And I just really want to emphasize that when we are able to stand in ourselves we are able to always be on the lookout for helping other people. So what I've seen in so many groups, both online and in person, is that we are always supporting each other. So as introverts, and Emily, in your group too, I'm I'm seeing this, is we want to support other people like they are our best friends. And introverts don't have a whole bunch of best friends. So (laughs) I, I say that very lightly, but they are always there to support one another. And that has been something that I have seen time and time again as an introverted gift is that you can go out and you can support someone and you're always on the lookout for who you can refer. You're always on the lookout for, you know, this person, I might be able to connect these two people together. They might be able to collaborate and just having the, having the, um, they have the ability to see the bigger picture when it comes to putting people together, they're master connectors. They can take the people they know and when they meet someone new or get to know someone, they can automatically in their brain connect the dots. 
And so I call them master connectors. And for me, I don't know about you, but that's where I get that feeling when you're like, oh, I just know these people need to talk to each other and work together. And then they do. And it's like sensational, you know, like you feel like you just created like a magical spark in the world. So that's the feeling I get (laughs) when I connect people, Um, which leads me to the topic of networking and connecting. I definitely want to hear what some of your tips are, as well as like how you kind of weave, you know, how you keep up with it and how you kind of like create a strategy around it. I will say that one of my strategies is to do exactly what you just said. And that is just to like always try to be connecting other people, whether I'm creating the networking space to do that or whether I'm going into a networking event. I almost always just am like, okay, how can I connect this person to another person that I've met? So I'd love to hear now what your thoughts are on it, because it can be hard thinking, oh, I have to go into this networking event and I'm going to have to just talk about myself. (laughs) I'm giggling, right? I mean, even I have a hard time talking about myself. And so what I, to step back, so networking and connecting, I really use those together and not interchangeably because when I kept talking about networking, people were like giving me the face. They were like, ew. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on? What's going on with this? And so they would say, oh, well, you know, I don't really network. I really connect with people. And I get the reasoning behind that. But I want people to understand that when you are networking, you are also connecting. So it's both. It's it's hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly. I think I actually wrote that in my book, which I have never said out loud except for right now. And they do, they go together. So I, when I talk to introverts who are saying like, I don't know where to network. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. How does this all work? I'm not going to go there and give out my business card to everyone. I'm not going to, you know, shake hands, kiss babies type situation. And so I'm like, well, step back and think about your intentions. So whether it's an in-person networking Zoom networking, whether it's a one-on-one, small group, all of those I think of as networking and not just going to events um, to network with new people. This could be people that you already know. And so think about what your intention is for networking. And that could be, you know what, my best friends, they're there and I like to hang out with them. And if I get a chance to talk to someone else, that's great. But when I think of intentions, I'm always thinking about that one person that I could meet that's new or one person that maybe I've met before, but I really didn't get a chance to go deep enough to see whether or not we were like a fit, whether or not we were, you know, jiving. So my goal always is to go to a networking event, whether Zoom or in person, is to meet one person or get to know one person better. I love that. It keeps it so simple. So simple. And you know what? We make it so complicated. I used to make it very complicated, very complicated. But when I decided that it was just that one person, life changed right then and there. I also would visualize who that person was. Maybe I was in need of a website person, or maybe I had a friend who was looking for like an interior designer. So I would always come into the networking event, 
with some sort of visualization, or maybe it was just a feeling like that one person is going to be one of my new number one people that I'm going to go to. Because, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's hard to have friends who understand your life as an entrepreneur. And I think that when we're able to connect with someone who gets it, they're like, your best friend. They are someone who you can talk to and lean on, not just business stuff, but personal because it's so intertwined, which I talk about too. You know, our we don't have these, but wouldn't it be nice to have these boxes where you could just go, you know, business, personal. So I do remind introverts to just have a few things ready to share that's personal. So as you're going into networking events, if there is an opportunity to quote unquote, freestyle with somebody, be ready to share a little bit about yourself. Maybe it's about your family. Maybe it's about your hobbies or the book that you're reading. So then you can really try to connect with someone because we're good listeners. Sometimes we forget that we need to share about ourselves in order to make that connection. And then I guess my final, and I'm, you know, giggling a little bit. My final um, thought is for a tip on networking, as we are getting into networking in person again, I want to remind introverts that you are not stuck in an in-person event. Even on Zoom, you're not stuck on Zoom. That one's a little bit easier to leave the room. (laughs) Depending on the situation. (laughs) Correct. So, So there's some opportunities, you know, in person where you have an exit strategy. So if this is a new networking event or it's a place where you're not quite sure or maybe you don't know anybody, really know where the bathroom is, know where you can tap out, maybe go sit for a few minutes, especially if they're, you know, two-hour events. You don't necessarily want to be stuck there. Or if you're just, if you're an anxious introvert, you know, just a place where you can go and just take a few breaths, regroup, and then head back into the room. Or maybe you just say bye to the host and you, you know, and off you go. So I always like to have an exit strategy for people because it literally makes it easier to stay in the room. And just just by knowing you could exit at any point in time because you chose to do so. My exit strategy, my pro tip for an exit strategy is to get a dog. And then you never have to lie. You always have to go home to the dog. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, these these are great tips. And I really love focusing on like just what you said. You never know who you're going to be. And you never know if that person is going to be your your best friend. Like I think that three people I can think of off the top of my head have become extremely close friends and we met each other through networking. And in some cases we were like, you know, clinging to one another in the corner in networking. And, and again, I'm saying this as a person who I feel kind of middle extrovert introvert, but okay. Now let's talk more about talking about ourselves or what we think is talking about ourselves. And I don't know if it necessarily is. Um, Do you find introverts have a hard time when it comes to sales and like selling what they do and asking for the sale? I guess, why do you think it can feel sort of like particularly icky or hard? So there are a few things that come to mind, but I'm going to start off with one, which is confidence in actually talking about the product and services that an introvert has. And 
practice. So sometimes it's just practicing on people that you already know. And that's something that I talk about a lot is looking at who is in your circle that you can actually go to and have a conversation with. Using your relationships that you have already built to your advantage, really, to practice on some people who maybe would give you some feedback. Maybe they would be interested in your services or products, but a place that feels safe to practice on and and asking for referrals. Because I think part of sales is that people think that this is cold calling. So I'm also a realtor and cold calling and what's called expired listings is something that I never did. Like it was just not something that aligned with what I was about. It was about the relationships. And if I'm giving value and I am seeing them as people and seeing them as the people they are, and they're just wanting to stand on a mountain and shout how amazing I am. Those are the people that I'm talking about where you Mm. can stand up and build your confidence because I feel like more and more that has been showing up for me and my clients is this confidence to share with the people they know or even share with the world what they're doing in this world that is making a huge impact. And so confidence is one of them. And then the other thing that comes to mind with sales is this ickiness, right? Oh, I don't want to be that used car salesman. I don't want to always be asking for the sale. I don't want to always be, you know, talking to people about my products and services. And so it's a matter of how you are feeling aligned with what you do. So for instance, I love bringing people together. And when I do, I always hear what I'll call success stories, stories of people who maybe they're friends on Facebook, but because they came to an event, whether online or in person, now they know each other better and they're actually doing things together. So I feel as though when we are always asking, it does feel icky. But if we go in with a pure heart and go into relationships with the thought that we're adding value to people, I also want you to know that you can then talk to people about how you run your business. I run my business on referrals. Like I'm looking for you to point me in the direction of someone that maybe you know that could be that I could be of service to. And when it comes from a pure heart, it doesn't feel icky anymore. I love that. Um, two things. I love the idea of using your uh, business connections and friends as a way to give you feedback on like the process and how it feels. That's like a strategy that I can, I think that can just help you refine what you're saying and also experience what it's like from somebody else's perspective. And I really love the opportunity, uh, the reminder to come at it from a heart of service. You know, a lot of people have this sales conversation. They're like, I don't feel comfortable around it. And I think it's exactly what you said. It's like, am I going into it with the right mindset then? And like, how can I adjust that? How can it be like an inside out process instead of, you know, fixing your sales process essentially? Right. Exactly. 
Um, speaking of friends and connections, I'm always like you talking about how collaboration is such a great opportunity for visibility. For example, you being on this podcast is a form of us collaborating with one another. So let's talk about some of the other like creative ideas that you have around collaboration and how you really think that that can help to increase our visibility as, as entrepreneurs. So I think the number one is along the same lines of what we're doing here on the podcast is sharing each other's audience. And that has been something that I hadn't really thought about too much until I started writing this book. And when someone was like, are you going to talk about collaborations? And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to talk about collaborations. And I went through and was uh, pleasantly surprised at the collaborations that I do. So I'm big on video. I love doing videos, highlighting other business owners. And so in my real estate business, I do local business videos. And I thought, what a great opportunity to transfer this collaboration model to online businesses. Because I didn't know how else to help my online businesses share my audience. And I was like, it was almost, you know, I have to get hit over the head sometimes. And it was that moment that I was like, yes, like I can use the same exact model over here. So I have done summits. So I've given the opportunity to people who would like to share their free gift, share their knowledge for about 20 minutes. And we would all go on this I want to call it advertising, but that's marketing, marketing the, the summit so that everyone, so if there were 10 people participating, we would all be marketing the same summit to our audiences to bring them in and they would get value from the actual video. But then each person that I had on, they got a free gift and, you know, everyone's list would grow and it was an opportunity for the people. So (laughs) I'm always amazed at the things that I don't realize until it happens. Those people who are part of the summit were then collaborating with each other. And so when we are going in with one goal in mind, sometimes there's opportunities that we didn't even think about for the people who are participating. And so our audiences, you know, cross-pollinated but also the speakers cross-pollinated. And that's been, I think I've done five seasons of that. And that's been a great collaboration that I've done over the course of the last couple of years. Summits are such a great example of collaboration. And actually, um, Deanna Seymour, who has been on my show and she's in my group, she recently did like this audio-only summit with a whole bunch of podcasters. And it's exactly what you said, a whole bunch of us cross-pollinated and decided to get on each other's podcasts. And I hear all the time when I listen to now these new podcasters that I follow, I hear them all the time have people on that say that they were from Deanna's Summit and vice versa, you know, and I've had them on my show and I'm on their shows. And it's just, it's such a good opportunity for everyone. It's just a value add, triple win. In my, in my book. Yes. Win, win, win. Yes. Absolutely. Are there any questions that I did not ask you that you wish I'd asked you? I just want to probably go a little bit into asking for referrals because we don't necessarily 
not see the value in referrals, but people have a hard time making the ask. And so what I like to talk about is putting together your master connectors, which are your biggest cheerleaders and looking at them as the people who would shout from the, you know, from the mountain about your business and services. And those are the people who have maybe given you referrals without asking. What I've found over the course of the last couple decades in business is when we're not asking for referrals, we might not be getting as many as we, I don't want to say should be, but we may not be getting as many as if we were asking. And so I look at it as people don't wake up every day thinking about how can I help Jen in her business today? They're, you know, they have their lives that they're, you know, working on. They've got kids or dogs or whatever, their business, their career. They're not just thinking about you. But when you're there reminding them about the value that that you have, and when you're there asking them if they know somebody who would benefit from your services or product, you are always staying top of mind, which I feel as though we're not doing a great job with because social, we're relying a lot on social and we're forgetting that people are people. And in, I'm not, I'm still not someone who will make a phone call, but I will private message someone, especially if they're on my master connector list and chat with them there or text message. And so I just challenge everyone to take a look at who are your biggest supporters? Who are your master connectors that you can go to and ask for a referral today? So make a list of five or 10 of them and get on the phone if that's your form of, you know, media or Facebook message, email even. It's a little bit more passive, but I would just go out there and be confident in what you offer into the world and ask for the referral because when you do that, you are top of mind and they also remember that you've given them a great deal of value and they definitely want to stay in your energy. And it's always a great opportunity to go have coffee, whether virtually or in person. So it's just a great way to get back in front of people, especially as I call it getting out of hibernation here in the North in in New England, Northeast, where it's been cold, warm, cold, warm, ice, snow, all this stuff. I'm ready to uh, blossom like the flowers that are in the garden and get out there and start talking with people get out there in person if you feel comfortable, go grab a coffee and see where people are and how you might be able to help them. And just a reminder that it's okay to ask for help. We all need help. And actually people love helping you. So, you know, when I ask somebody, how can I help them? I really genuinely want them to give me an actual answer so that I can actually feel like I'm helping them. So I think that's just something that, you know, we need to remind ourselves of too, is people love helping And so you just have to ask for the help. Can I just add one more thing to that? Because I think that's a great point. And even for myself, sometimes it's hard to ask for help because I can do it all. And I, that's one of my, how can I support you? How can I help you is one of my questions that I do like to ask. And I want to challenge everybody who's listening. If someone were to ask you, how can I help or how can I support you? just always be ready to offer them an answer. 
it makes them feel good to be able to help you. And in the end, when you're able to sit down and know like what you can ask for, it feels really good to be able to ask for the help and receive it. Well, I'm going to ask you that question in a minute, Jen, but really quickly, let's do a couple of rapid roundup questions. I have three for you. Are you ready for them? I'm ready. Okay. What do you like to do for fun? I like to paint and take baths. Oh, taking baths is lovely. Uh, What is the best thing that you've purchased this year? I purchased this amazing ring while I was in Salem, Mass., this past weekend and it's blue and it just brings me so much joy to look at it. I love that. Where, what finger do you wear it on? My middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, what is the best advice that you've ever received? It was actually from my daughter who said to me, mom, here's your birthday present. And I opened it and it's Wonder Woman in um, a snow globe. And she said, you are Wonder Woman. She's you know, 16 years old. She'll be 17. And I'm like, huh, so much wisdom. Also, I wonder if Wonder Woman ever has actually experienced a snowstorm. So I hope she was ready for that. Oh, it's a glitter storm. It's oh, a oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Um, all right. Now, uh, how can we help you? How can people find and connect with you online? So they can find me on Facebook, Jen Jones, Connect and Elevate. And what I love about offering during a podcast is my free gift, which is about energy awareness for introverts. And so you can hop on to femintropreneur.com backslash energy and grab that gift. And you will be put on my email list and asked feed for feedback. So we're always looking to get better at we at what we do. And if you're using that toolkit, I'd love to hear how it's going for you. Awesome. And I will make sure that um, all of those links are in the show notes for people to get to them. And I so appreciate you joining me. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. I love I love chatting and riffing about certain things. And so it's been a great time. Me too. Thanks, Jen. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.